When I say zombie eating, what immediately comes to your mind? Mindless eating? Emotional eating maybe? Let's put the brakes on before this zombie eating happens and stop ourselves from needing to eat for emotional reasons. Hi, I'm registered dietitian, nutritionist, Dr. Susan Mitchell. Let's go beyond bariatric surgery and talk about everything you need to move on. To help us put the brakes on, resident psychologist on Australia's The Biggest Loser Transform, Glenn McIntosh, is back for a follow-up interview to our podcast on emotional eating, but this time with a focus on managing your moods. Glenn is a member of the Australian Psychological Society, consults with bariatric patients pre- and post-surgery. You can find out more about Glenn on our website, beyondbariatricsurgery.com. Just click on podcasts for his episode and then the show notes, or on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash beyondbariatricsurgery. Welcome back to the podcast, Glenn. Dr. Susan, I'm so glad to be back. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, we're going to have fun again. You know, last time we talked about emotional eating and trying to find an alternative to eating. Would you go back for just a minute and refresh that idea for us? Yeah, absolutely. Firstly, we defined emotional eating as that that increase in your food intake in response to the unpleasant emotions, so the yucky stuff. So it's different to just eating or overeating food for the pleasure of it. And typically people don't find it that pleasurable. We kind of talked about it like often it happens very much on autopilot. So I kind of call it zombie eating. Yeah, I can really Um, relate to that. I think most people, they hear that and they go, I get it. I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, and I reckon we, we should go more into that as we talk. I want to talk to you a little bit more about that as we continue with the podcast. But then the other thing that we did last time was we talked about this very simple idea of what I call more marvelous methods to manage your mood. So replacing that eating behavior with something, some other coping strategies, because that's really kind of the first point in overcoming emotional eating. Right. You know, the term zombie eating clearly makes you think about what you're doing. And in this podcast, let's jump in before zombie eating happens and find out what what can we do to stop ourselves before we need to eat for emotional reasons. Mm, totally. I think for me, the, the you know, we talked last time about developing new coping strategies, which is really something that has to happen to transcend emotional eating. But I think it's good today to take a step back. And I actually really like to educate my clients about what's going on. And, and I, I think it's really important to understand what's happening when you're emotionally eating. So in real time, you can kind of know what's going on. So I have a little model that, that I talk about with my clients and what we do in our online programs and our workshops. And it kind of helps people get what's happening when they're emotionally eating. Can I kind of talk Great. you through it? Yeah, let's hear yeah. about it. Okay, so I call it, and if you're you're listening to this, I want you to kind of visualize this in your mind. I call it the balloon model. And so what I want you to do is I want you to think that all of your unpleasant feelings, all of the yucky stuff exists in a balloon. So all of the the stress and the, the loneliness and the anxiety and the uncertainty or whatever particular mix of unpleasant feelings comes up for you, that that exists in a balloon. And then once the balloon just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, it just becomes a bit too much for us to handle. 
So we kind of need a release from the balloon. And for a lot of us, eating is quite a, it doesn't work very well, but it's quite a convenient kind of release. So it's, it's like a little exit hole that comes out of the balloon. There's a little emotional eating valve that lets the pressure out of the balloon. But unfortunately, then there's a tube from that emotional eating valve that comes back into the balloon. So you do get this little relief of whatever the unpleasant feelings are. The balloon goes down a little bit, but then shortly after it's pumped right back up. And typically, so what we know is from emotional eaters, typically they might feel that that sort of suppression of the unpleasant feelings for five to 10 minutes while they're eating, maybe a little bit after eating, but then shortly after, the unpleasant feelings just come straight back. And then unfortunately, because, you know, a lot of us, we do associate overeating with a lot of, you know, there's a lot of labeling, a lot of negativity, mm -hmm, a lot mm -hmm. of judgment around that. We, we actually end up feeling more uncomfortable. That's why I, I talk about emotional eating as being like double dipping on a bad mood. Yeah, I remember you say that and that's, uh, you can really get that. Okay, so I can see that eating feels like a good idea at the time because it actually works to deflate your stress balloon, but then it's only for a short time and then you feel guilty for eating. Absolutely. <laughs> You're right and back I where you started. So. How, Glenn, do we deflate the balloon and keep it that way? Yes. Okay. Good. Great question. Because I think the first thing is then to go to those more marvelous methods to manage the mood. So I think that they're, they're, I think of them as like alternative release valves. So they're like more positive ways to release the stress. And we, you know, for anyone who hasn't heard about them, go back and check out our first podcast because we talk about that in a lot of detail. And we also give you a little, um, a little cheat sheet so you can really implement it yourself. So that's the, the first thing is dealing with, um, dealing with those emotions as they come up and learning to release them in new ways but but as you know if you've got a you know something that's going on in your life that's repeatedly giving you these unpleasant feelings you know like an ongoing situation maybe something with a relationship or work or just something within yourself then they're just going to keep blowing up the balloon so to add to this model what we do is we kind of consider that as well as that the outputs from the balloon there are these inputs to the balloon that psychologists call stressors so these are things that are regularly giving you lots of unpleasant emotions mm -hmm. and what we say is that that the the treatment for emotional eating is developing new coping strategies but the real cure for emotional eating is dealing with those inputs into the balloon. So it's like taking those little straws or squeezing those little straws that are feeding those unpleasant emotions into the balloon in the first place and dealing with that sort of so, stuff. So it's really what you're saying is you've got to manage your emotions on the front end. And so I'm thinking about what you said. It's really good advice. In fact, you're more mar marvelous method. So I'm thinking about it. We have a link to that worksheet for you to download from our website. So be sure and check that out at beyondbariatricsurgery.com. But Glenn, uh, don't emotions affect eating habits in more ways than just emotional eating. Like I know you have an idea, uh, talk to us about it. It's called dual process dynamics. I know you have heard you mention it, but, uh, tell us more uh, about that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because you've, 
you know, they're, they're, you know, emotional eating is a real killer for any weight management effort. We see that with, with surgery people. We see that with non-surgery people. It, it really affects your mental well-being and it affects your, you know, your ability to succeed long term. So obviously emotional eating in itself is a really big problem. But our emotions actually affect our eating choices even if we're not emotional eaters through this, you know, psychologist, we love big words, Dr. Susan, through this dual <laughs> process Let's hear them. dynamics. <laughs> yeah, dual process dynamics. So what that basically means is that that we have these two systems in our brain that are making food choices at the same time. So I don't know, I'm sure you would get this with, with your people. They often say to you, I feel like I'm going crazy around food. Like there's two different parts of me. Yes. And, you know, they often people feel like one's the devil part and one's <laughs> the, the angel part. But what I want people <laughs> to know is that that's actually really normal because we have these two systems in the brain. Oh, wait, I say that word sense. one more time. That's really what? <laughs> normal? Normal. normal. You, might, you might feel crazy because you're so divided mm. within yourself, but it's actually really, really normal. I think that's so important for people to, yes, to, to, to know. Yes, to hear that. Yeah, I hear it all the time. You hear it all the time, and and I think people though when that they're, they're just experiencing it themselves, it becomes like the world's best kept secret. They think that no one else is having this when it's actually normal. If you're having this, it means your brain is working properly. I want you to think of these these two systems that are operating in your brain at the exact same time, and one we call the reflective system. So this reflective system is a like a logical thinking, a slow deliberative thinking. You can think about it a bit more like your your adult mind and it's related to your ability to use willpower. So this is probably the the the, the part of your brain that helps you make new and better food choices. Okay, then so you know, in diet we say so much that willpower doesn't really work that yep. well because as soon as you see food or as soon as you have a bad day or just whatever it goes out yep. the window so this is all tied into what you're saying right now absolutely because the other part of your brain we call the impulsive system so this is a more emotionally based system it doesn't require as much conscious thought it's more of an automatic sort of a, a process um and it's it's a very fast process and it often happens to overwhelm that willpower system. That's why willpower alone doesn't work very well, especially in the long term. So basically what I think of them, you know, um, uh, that Star Trek character, Dr. Spock? Yes. You know, very rational, very sensible, very logical. And then, you know, the, the character from The Simpsons, Homer Simpson. <laughs> yes. <laughs> very impulsive, very emotional. I talk to my people about having a Spock in your brain and a Homer in your brain. I love that. Yeah, Spocks and Homers. And that's what we get often. And, and I'm sure that, that everyone listening has had this in their whether they've seen their, their dietitian or their nutrition professional or their psychologist or their, their personal trainer, it's you. I talk about having Spocks in the consulting room. We all sit there very logically and go, yes, instead of doing this, I should do this. Great idea. Let's plan to do this. We make all these great intentions and then we get homers after a long day at work. Everything kind of goes out the window. 
Yeah, and, and then all of a sudden, Homer's let loose. <laughs> totally, and Homer is eating everything, including Spock. That's exactly right. Okay, let me make sure I understand you. You're saying that when we are under stress, we have much less willpower or Spock isn't functioning so well. And so we just fall back into doing what we've always done. So I think you're saying we need to reduce our stress or we're not going to be able to change the habits no matter how much we want. And Homer's going to keep running free. That is exactly what I'm saying because, the, and, and you've totally got that that link that I probably didn't explain to you quite well, but you've got it. And just to make sure everyone else has got it, that what the unpleasant emotions do, especially if they're persistent and they're intense, is they they make Homer stronger and they make Spock weaker. They affect those natural dynamics. So it makes it much harder for us to use that little bit of willpower to make the new choices until they become habits. So absolutely. So I guess that means we need to avoid filling up the balloon in the first place. But okay, come on, Glenn. Is it really possible to feel less emotional about the things going on around us? Yeah. And look, the good news is I, I would not do psychology if it wasn't absolutely possible. And that's where I think that really the, you know, I know we, we've talked about this before is that, that, that psychology, uh, and I think people are realizing that psychology is so important in weight management. It's just, you can't tear the, the psychology away from the dietetics or the, the physical movement. It's just, it's such an important, uh, I think that weight management is a team sport. And I think the team here is the, the doctor, the surgeon, the dietitian, the psychologist, and then the, the exercise person. And I, I think that people really need to get the best support they can post-surgery to get the best results. Um, because of course, we know that by and large, the surgeons are doing their job with the mechanics of the surgery and then the rest is behavior and the rest is psychology. So absolutely, it, it is possible to change the way you feel about uh, you know, change the amount of stress that life is bringing you. And sometimes that means uh, reframing what's happening to you. So learning to think differently about the situation. And other times it actually means that you need to change the situation itself. And that's where I think it's really good to, to see a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a, a counselor as someone that can help you learn to deal with those emotions so the balloon isn't getting constantly filled up day in, day out. And really so, as you have said, that you can transform your life in really profound ways and get on with living. Absolutely. It's funny, Dr. Susan, that, that, you know, often people come to me because, you know, we do specialize really in the weight management stuff and they come to us to say, I want to stop emotional eating. <laughs> but then what happens is through the process, we end up helping, helping the person deal with their feelings better, create a new way of thinking and even deal with some of those, those repeated stressors in life and overcome some of those barriers that sometimes people have had for years. So it's almost like I think they come in for something that's really important, freeing themselves from emotional eating, but then they actually end up our, our therapy with having even more profound changes in their overall life, which is really, really cool. Yeah, you know, I, I think we all want to transform our lives in profound ways, don't you? 
I think it's, Absolutely. yeah, it's so important. Okay, let's take a short break. And when we come back, Glenn will tell you just what to do when you have an unavoidable down day so you can move forward, transforming your life. Don't go anywhere. Explore the Australian way with portion perfection for bariatrics plates, bowls, visual guides, recipes, and more at beyondbariatricsurgery.com. Welcome back. Don't forget to subscribe to our Beyond Bariatric Surgery podcast on your favorite podcatcher, such as iTunes and Google Play. And if you need help, go to beyondbariatricsurgery.com. We'll show you how to sign up. It is so easy. Also, check out the great online courses we offer you. Also on the website, you can surround yourself with positive ideas, like-minded people, and work on a particular topic for a good six weeks or more. It's a great way to stay motivated, have the opportunity to speak with some of our experts via a Facebook group. There's a course starting soon. In fact, you'll find Glenn's fabulous courses among the offerings. Where's the info? Beyondbariatricsurgery.com. Joining me via Skype from Australia is resident psychologist on Australia's The Biggest Loser Transformed, Glenn McIntosh. He's back talking about managing your emotions. Glenn, before the break, you shared how stress fills the balloon, emotional eating lets some of the air out of the balloon, then guilt sets in and we fill it right back up. Woo! I, think a lot, I think a lot of us can relate to this concept, but you can't always feel great and have stress Free days. We know that. So what about when you're having those unavoidable down days? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Dr. Susan. I think that's such an important point, especially in the weight management area. We are so often sold miracle cures that the risk is when we're learning to deal with the, the emotions in a new way that we then start to feel like we should be absolutely perfect at it and we should never feel any unpleasant emotions at all. But of course, we all have down days. It's completely natural. It's normal. It's actually a bit weird if you don't have any down days. So so we also need to learn how to, to deal with those days. Even if you've, you know, you're so good at your more marvelous methods to manage your mood. Even if you're managing your life and your thinking style so well, so things aren't blowing the balloon up too much regularly. The balloon is still going to get bigger with your particular mix of unpleasant emotions. And you know and what? Sometimes, Can I just yeah. interject there? I'm just thinking about what you just said. And sometimes in life, it doesn't just run day to day or week to week. You might just go along doing great and then something just blindsides you. Maybe it's the, the loss of someone you love, a death, somebody yep. gets really sick, and then all of a sudden you go through a period of time and that period could be months and sometimes it's even over a year and you just have what you think are down days that are never gonna end. Absolutely, and I think it's so important for us to realize that and I'll, I'll tell you why, because if our job is to always have the balloon relatively empty, then when we get to those life situations where it's normal and natural and healthy for us to feel the unpleasant feelings, we don't then know how to cope with that. The, you know, the healthy coping strategies, they'll help, but they're not going to make us feel great. And, you know, some of those situations in life, they can't be controlled, like a, a serious illness or a, a big change in work situation or the passing of a loved one, you know, that we, we have no control over those things. And, and if our only aim is to always make ourselves feel better, then the backstop 
becomes emotional eating. Well, none of this other stuff worked. So the backstop is I'm going to go back to emotional eating for this time. But if we learn to understand that those emotions are normal and accept or even embrace those emotions, then what we can do is we can just allow them to come and go naturally and the backstop actually becomes the natural experience of the emotions rather than trying to suppress them or distract yourself through food. So if we kind of go back to that balloon model, um, when I started to add in, because psychologists have more and more been realizing the importance of this emotional acceptance idea and I thought, I've got to add this into my balloon model. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, well, how does this fit into the balloon? So what I did, Dr. Susan, so weird when you become a practicing psychologist trying to bring all this research into (laughs) And making it real, right? (laughs) I did research on balloons. And what I realized is that (laughs) when, when you blow up a balloon, it naturally deflates by itself over time. And I think that's the way I like to think of emotional acceptance or sometimes we even call it emotional expansion just making room for those feelings as they come and they go naturally and then what they're going to do is they'll leave you with that sense of that the feeling has come and it's gone but they'll be underneath that 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 upset or that stress or whatever the unpleasant feeling is there's a self-satisfaction comes that that, that comes from sticking with your value yeah. of healthy eating that whole time and so spark was strong and just <laughs> kept on leading you through with all of the positive things you've learned you know you teach your patients so many great concepts it, would you talk us through some examples of patients and how they've used your concepts? Yeah, yeah, because at the end of the day, it's the the concept is, and this is what we cover in our online program, is that is is actually bringing these concepts that I'm talking with uh, uh, with you about now, just bringing them to life and applying them. So maybe I'll give you a an example of the the sort of the three parts of the balloon, um, the balloon model, so people can get an understanding and have start to have a play around with how it can kind of work for them. Great, great. Okay. Um, Let's start with the more marvelous methods to manage your mood. So remember, that's when the balloon's sort of, you know, quite inflated and we need to do something else apart from eating because the eating's double dipping on the bad mood. Um, I had one guy that I work with and he was really funny and he said, I come home, I'm, he's had a big day at work, he's quite stressed and the, the, I said, what are the effects of that? And the first effect was that he eats a lot and the second effect was he's kind of, he's a lovely man, but he's kind of cranky with the family. Uh, and so, hey, I so think I, that's common. I think that's way more common than you think. <laughs> totally, totally. Yes. If and people so, would admit it, eat food, they're cranky. <laughs> Not necessarily in that order either. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, so this more marvelous method. I like this one because it was a bit of a uh, a little little bit of a creative one that he developed uh, in consultation with the family, and I think everyone was happy was that he just, he didn't feel like doing any active techniques like, um, you know, practicing meditation or going for a walk at that stage. He just, we just decided that it was going to be good for him. So he would just get in the shower and he would turn the hot water on. And sometimes he would stay in there for 20 minutes, half an hour. He said, I just, I stay in there until I feel like I'm ready to come out. And he said, my wife is actually really happy with that. She's happy to look after the kids and the kids don't mind because 
when I get out, it, it's it, it, that you know, it's overcome that high risk eating time for him. I'm calm, and then I can get on and actually spend some really quality time with the family. So I think he's a really good example of of a new coping strategy, and just a little little bit of creativity. And that's that's what I think. With a little bit of creativity, you'll always be able to find something that's right for you. For some people, it's not as yeah, it's almost like he just got in the shower and washed the stress down the drain. He literally washed the stress away. Absolutely. So he's a good example of, um, of a, a more marvelous method to manage his mood. Um, let me give you one about um, the, the, the other part of the model, cutting off or squeezing off the inputs to the balloon. Um, and I'll give you one actually be- that, that, that required a bit of a life change because sometimes it does require thinking about things differently and other times it does require changing the situation. Okay. So I had a, a girl I was, I was working with and she was a, an adult, so 25, 26 years old. And she lived at home with a really loving family, uh, but they were very conscious of her weight and she felt like they were kind of the food police. And and coupled with that, she had three brothers and the brothers, they loved all of this junk food. So she is constantly at home having this, uh, the food police nagging her to make good eating choices, but this really food-rich environment that was just meaning that that Homer overpowered Spock nine times out of ten. Gosh. And it was, just, it was really stressful. And then all the stress compounds and adds to the emotional eating. And so after quite a bit of talking, we – you know, she decided with my support that she was going to move out. And so she moved out with a friend and, um, and the friend is, you know, a bit on, on a bit of a health kick herself, a bit of a calmer environment, less people. And so she's automatically taken away a big straw that was feeding into that balloon. Wow. Yeah. And you know, that's a big deal because it's not just, she's making the change, but she has to deal with the dynamics of the family when she tells them she's going to make that change. Absolutely. And I think it's a really good point, Dr. Susan, because not all the time, you know, if you're an emotional eater, I wouldn't necessarily say that everyone needs to, you know, move to Tibet and become, you know, meditation masters. But for some of us, we do need to look at the overall life and, and make some, like you say, some tough decisions. But the, the good news is on the other side of those tough decisions, not only does it really help you to, to free yourself from the emotional eating, but you then, you know, she's changing her life in an even more profound way. She's done it probably in order to free herself from the emotional eating, but now every day mm. is a little bit more relaxed for her. Wow. And what about this one I was thinking about, emotional acceptance. I have a friend who just today told me that her father's cancer is back and it is very unlikely that he will survive. He's going into hospice. And so the writing is on the wall of what is going to happen. And many times this kind of an event can trigger emotional eating, which sometimes is overeating, but I've seen it often where people stop eating. They're so sick at their stomach from the upset of what's happening to their loved one that it is emotional eating, but it goes the other way. Can you talk about emotional acceptance? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, it's it's a, a, a perfect example of when someone as close to you is not well or that, you know, the writing is on the wall or, you know, something bad happens to someone close to us. We should feel bad. It's natural. You know, I, I actually have had a, a the passing away of one of my good friends the, uh, and uh, had her funeral this week. And the, the priest said to us, you know, your um, your your pain is a symbol of your love. So sometimes it's normal and really healthy for us to feel these, this pain. And, and, and so for example, um, for after the, if I use myself as an example, after this, this funeral, it was a, a big day. I was one of the, the pallbearers and it was, you know, quite a, quite a, an exhausting uh, and tough day. And, and I, 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 I normally have like a, like a salad and steak for dinner, something like that. And, um, and I really thought, you know what, I just want a really big burger and I've got a great burger joint down the road with all of the chips. And, and at that moment, what I realized is that no coping strategies in the world are going to help me feel better. Uh, what I need to do is I need to just make room for these feelings and just allow myself to experience the feelings, knowing that, thank goodness, no feelings last forever. So so I think that's a, a good example. If you're feeling a bit of, and I suppose we're using a, a very powerful example of, of you know, loved ones passing away but but it can be anything sometimes if you've you know some people might have a a, a really uh, annoying boss for example and no matter how well they think their way through it uh is still annoying they can't change jobs at the moment for a particular reason so you might need to do this uh you know in a little sense every day is just make room for the fact that you know that person frustrates me a little bit but i can just make room for that frustration let the balloon expand knowing that the balloon is just going to to just deflate naturally by itself over time and i don't have to do any um any emotional eating or any other unhealthy coping strategies i can just allow myself to experience these normal human feelings and, until they go of their own time and do you teach these these are the skills that you teach in the online emotional eating course right absolutely yeah so the the online emotional eating course is basically it's almost dr susan very much what we talked about in our first uh, our first interview mm -hmm. and what we talk about today so the people won't be getting too many new principles. If you do the emotional eating course, which I'd love everyone to do, it's you'll be you'll be hearing a lot of things going, oh yeah, okay, I get that. I remember that from when Dr. Susan and Glenn were talking about that. But what we do is we give you the the full theory around it so you really understand why you're doing what you're doing. We actually give you, we empower our people with the research because I think as you would know in, in the weight management space, there's so much stuff going out there that's not research-based. And so we don't really know if it works or not. But with our stuff, we know it works. And we actually want you to know what we know. So you can, we don't labor on it, but we actually give you quite a bit of the research. So if you're interested, you can look at it. And if you're not that interested, we just summarize it for you. So you really know what's going on and why you're you're doing the, the you know, applying these principles. And then the key thing we do in the program is the application of the principles. Okay, so I know... I know people are going to say, okay, Glenn, uh, how long does it really take to apply skills? Because, you know, I hear you talk about them and we're saying this is what you can, this is what you can do, but to really get it and to make it applicable in your life, how long does it take people to really do that? Yeah. Okay. So 
the good news is because we're, we're not often taught these things, Dr. Susan, you know, we're not taught how to manage our emotions in, you know, in courses, in schools, we're getting more and more of that, but, but we, most of us don't have a lot of experience doing it. So that the cool news is that the learning curve is really steep and you'll get a lot of bang for buck in terms of that your willpower that you expend once you learn these skills you'll find that they work you know we do them because they work so they'll work pretty much straight away which is really cool oh yeah that's great so basically you're arming us with tools to keep working at it till you're free of emotional eating you have great tools for managing your moods absolutely and i think that over the course of our six-week program, for example, where where you know you should have a really great grasp on your particular balloon. We help you fill out your particular balloon so you can know what your triggers are, what your new coping strategies are, how you do the emotional acceptance. And we don't want to, you know, especially with any of our programs, we don't want to be part of the problem in weight management is that everything is sold as a, a miracle cure. This is a really great product, but it's not a miracle cure. What you would get is a, a substantial and a, a measurable reduction in your mo emotional eating and you'll have the tools to deal with it for life so you will, it is something that, that our programs do require we make them as easy as possible but they do require people do a bit of work to get the results yeah. and nothing good comes if you don't work you got to work a little bit this was no. so helpful glenn i'm going to practice these skills for managing my emotions and i bet totally. a, <laughs> i bet a lot of you are too right Thank you, Glenn, for taking time to come back on the podcast. It was great information. It was, it's always a pleasure, Dr. Susan. I'll come back anytime. We have such cool chats. Yes, we do. And it's so important to hear how to manage our emotions and what you can do about them to stay empowered and to move on with your life. And here on the Beyond Bariatric Surgery podcast, we're all about your success. We want to give you as many tools as we can for your toolbox. So yes, check out our self-development courses regularly on the website, beyondbariatricsurgery.com to see what's available right now. And I'll talk to you soon. Beyond Bariatric Surgery is produced and owned by Practical Calories LLC, all rights reserved. Remember, the content provided on this podcast is for information purposes only and doesn't create a patient-provider relationship. It's intended to provide reference material and is not designed to provide medical advice. Please consult your healthcare provider regarding any medical issues you have relating to symptoms, conditions, diseases, diagnosis, treatments, and side effects. Podcast guests express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions, which do not necessarily reflect or agree with the hosts, Great Ideas in Nutrition, or Practicalities, LLC.